Welcome to another installment of the Whitaker Myers Wealth Managers What We Learned in the Markets This Week video. We aim to provide you, our valued clients, with a brief video giving you information that is helpful to your understanding of the markets from a biblical worldview with no financial agenda, which makes us uniquely different from the news media in America. This video is for informational purposes only and should not be relied upon to make investment decisions. The clients of Whitaker Myers Wealth Managers may maintain positions in the securities discussed in today's video. All opinions discussed are solely those of John Mark Young and not those of Whitaker Myers Wealth Managers. Hi, I'm John Mark Young. Nine straight weeks. That's how long the S&P 500 has been carrying a positive tune. That's quite impressive and well-earned after 2022 gave us the worst year since 2008 on the equity side and the worst year since 1842 on the fixed income side. However, it's unrealistic to expect growth stock market to go up week after week after week. And finally, we had a chink in our armor. The good news is the chink in our armor does not seem to be caused by anything that is causing concern amongst market technicians or observers. Just a standard run-of-the-mill breather for the market. And hey, we can appreciate that, right? Because things in our real life, I coach my daughter's basketball team. And against my greatest desires as a coach, I can't leave my best players in the game on the court for all four quarters without ever giving them a break. Why? Well, if I don't give them a break, something really, really bad could happen, such as we lose our lead, they get injured, blah, blah, blah. The story of much of 2023 have been the Magnificent Seven. Apple, Amazon, Tesla, Google, Facebook, Microsoft, and NVIDIA, which accounted for 60% of the S&P 500's total return. And those stocks were the ones that took the largest breather this last week. Apple, for example, they got a downgrade from Barclays and another rating agency, and their stock fell 5.9%. Amazon dropped 4.4, Google dropped 2.8, but the short-term movements of the market are not what one should be concerned about when it comes to their investment strategy. Rather, the long-term outlook of the U.S. and the U.S. economy and the long-term outlook of the global economy, the global markets, is what you should watch out for. That's what this video series is designed to do for you. So let's start looking at some of that data for the first time in 2024. First, we always take a look at the Atlanta Fed's GDP Now model to gauge how our overall economy is growing at the moment. Now, at this point in the Atlanta Fed's GDP Now process, we're still looking at the fourth quarter of 2023, even though we're currently sitting in the first quarter of 2024. For a few more weeks, we'll continue to have data released on the fourth quarter of 2023, such as the Labor Department numbers that we're going to talk about in point number three, and the Atlanta Fed will use that data to get a tighter handle on the growth of the economy. So we'll continue to watch this for the fourth quarter of 2023 for a few more weeks until we get closer to the actual GDP release that's gonna come out on January 25th of 2024. And the Atlanta Fed's number will continue to have a higher, higher probability of being very close to what the actual number is as we get closer to that date. So what's the actual number today? Well, as you can see on your screen, after Friday's ISM data and some other data sets throughout the week that, that have been released, again, like the Labor Department, like I just mentioned, point number three, the growth number is coming in at 2.5%, a very solid and respectable number for an economy the size of the US. Now, next we look at the initial claims for unemployment each week to see where they came in at. And it came in at 202,000 for the week. So that number took a dive down, which is good, further validating our strong labor market. Our normal charting system we used was acting a little funny in regards to the initial claims for unemployment insurance. So you're actually getting the data right from the St. Louis Federal Reserve's website. Pretty neat. And how about the number that had been creeping up all last year, which we talked about caused 
a little bit of concern, probably one of the few things that we were concerned about, the continuing claims for unemployment insurance. That number fell to 1.85 million, continuing its slow trend back down. We like to keep track of mortgage rates, and we can see that the 30-year mortgage rate, they've taken a breather on their climb down the mountain, settling in at about 6.62%, and the 15-year mortgage rate, conversely, is now sitting at 5.89%. And finally, how about the markets? The S&P 500, which of course is our proxy for growth and growth in income, but only when you consider them together, that fell 1.852% last week. 1.52, excuse me, percent last week. The Russell 2000, which tracks smaller and mid-sized companies or aggressive growth in our Dave Ramsey vernacular, that was negative 2.72% for the week. And finally, the MSCI EFA, which tracks international stocks in developed markets across the globe, excluding the US, that was negative 1.57% for the week. Point number two, if you miss the best days in the market, you'll miss most of the return for the market for a year. It's a hard thing to do, time the market, being right on when to get in, and being right on when to get out. It's a good theme to look at to start the year of people trying to time the market. And thanks to my friends at DataTrek for this piece of data. I've, we, what they did is they took a look at the last five years, and what we see is just a few days are responsible for all the returns of any given year. Now, sure, there is a constant up and down that's happening throughout the year. However, there's just some monster days in the market, and functionally, they are the ones that mean everything because the rest of the days are just a wash up and down. You could miss the best days of the market within a year and be in the market the rest of the days and you're still going to be flat or negative. It's why you should never get emotional and start trading with a thought process. Oh, I'll just get back in when things are better. Oh, my account's down right now. I want to get out, but I'll get back in when things are better. I guarantee one of the signs that things are better that you'll look for, the best days of the year have been seen and experienced for those of us that stayed consistent, that stayed with Aesop's Fable. So what you're seeing on your screen is the hard data for the last five years. For example, in 2019, the S&P 500 was up 31.2% and only 21 trading days con consisted the return for all of that year. In 2022, the S&P was up 18% and just two very large days before and after the pandemic lows accounted for that return. The only time I vividly remember the stock market having to close down because it was so volatile was during the pandemic. It was There were so many huge up and down days. In 2021, the S&P 500, was up 28.5% with 16 days making up all those gains. In 2022, the market was down 18% with five days responsible for all those losses. And finally, in 2023, the S&P 500 was up 24.5% with 13 trading days making up all those gains. So what's the average from my friends at DataTrek? Just 11 days from 2019 through 2023 each year, 11 on average each year, made up the returns of the market. So don't day trade. Don't try to time the market because those days come don't come in a calendar order. You'll never be able to guess them with any regularity, which is why you should find a strategy you agree with, you're comfortable with, you can stick with. That's the way to invest and make money. Point number three, today, Friday, January 5th, we received the final jobs report for 2023. The Labor Department let us know that the U.S. economy for the month of December added 216,000 new jobs, which was an uptick from November and larger than most Wall Street analysts were expecting. With the December number, we now know that in 2023, the entire year, we added 2.7 million jobs, which if you compare that to 2022, we added 4.8 million. So we're much slower this year, but 2.7 is still more than any pre, most pre-pandemic years. And remember, 4.8 million probably was too many jobs because as we saw, we were so good in the labor market, everyone was able to switch jobs for more money. 
And that continued to put upward pressure on inflation and downward pressure on productivity. I mean, we're switching jobs. You got to learn a new job to take them off, all that stuff. And it put downward pressure on profits, which end up hurting your stock returns. So these numbers put the unemployment rate currently at 3.7% to end this year. And as a proxy, we started the year at 3.4%. Both of those numbers, 34 to 3.7, are widely considered to be full employment numbers. Now, the Fed, in probably their most ideal situation, they wanted to see today's numbers come in below expectations instead of above, really showing that the labor market is cooling off and confirming their stance to keep rates neutral and even start cutting rates sometime in early 2024. However, the results were, were decently strong and, and the markets, they, they took off this morning once this number came through. Although throughout the day, they lost their steam. They fell back into negative territory only to pull back up, up for a short game to, to actually end the day. Now on your screen, you can see a nice chart from the Wall Street Journal and the Labor Department to visualize the year-by-year -year job growth we've seen in the economy going back to 2010. The 2.7 million jobs created in 2023 does compare nicely to the last decade and a half, including all the years when President Trump was in office and, and the economy was just humming and growing very, very consistently. So job gains are still doing very good. Also in the report, we saw that the November and October job game numbers, while still positive, they got revised down 71,000. And so they're just not as strong as we previously thought uh, as the Labor Department continued to pile up those numbers. And as we dig into the numbers uh, for what private employers added uh, relative to the whole job grain, they did 164. So private employers of the 216 were 164. And the five highest net job gainer categories for the month, food services, so your restaurants mainly, they added 22,000 jobs, local government education jobs, so schools, 19,200, local government excluding schools were up 17,700, individual and family services were up 17,100, and finally hospitals added 15,300 into their job numbers for the month. And point number four, here were the stocks that defined the week. Tesla is no longer the largest electric vehicle maker in the world. And I love Elon Musk and I love Tesla. Unfortunately, they got passed. So in the fourth quarter of 2023, they made 408 or they sold 485,000 cars, electric vehicles. However, the Chinese electric vehicle maker BYD reported selling more than 526,000 vehicles in that same time period. Now, Tesla did have a recall related to their autopilot system in China, which probably cost them some sales to the more local BYD uh, there. But so go get them, Elon. Now, if you remember last year, we talked about Rite Aid filing bankruptcy as the ultra-competitive pharmacy business continues to have pressure put on them from uh, com competition. This week, Walgreens announced it's cutting its dividend by half. This is why it's dangerous to only invest in dividend stocks to fund your retirement. I'm just going to live off the dividends for the rest of my life. Well, those dividend payments are not guaranteed. And oh, by the way, when a dividend gets cut, just like you saw this week with Walgreens, the stock typically takes a big cut as well. I'm losing principal and income. Ugh. Next, in better news for the stock market, Peloton Interactive announced an exclusive agreement with TikTok where they will have a workout content hub on the video platform popular with younger users. You will now be able to watch live Peloton classes on TikTok. And this is the first time that Peloton's going to produce content on another streaming service other than their own. So interesting to watch there. Cigna, the health insurance giant, it's selling its Medicare business to healthcare services for between $3 billion and $4 billion more than likely. So you wonder why everyone advertises so much to get your Medicare business? Well, it's because the Medicare business, including the insurance side of the Medicare business, is big business. And finally, General Motors, 
said their U.S. vehicle sales increased 14.1% last year, which marked their best year since 2019. Now, Buick led their resurgence by that brand increasing their sales 61%, and the Chevy brand saw a 13.1% increase. So a combustible engine auto manufacturer proving that they can still post solid gains in an era where the government is continually pushing us to electric vehicles faster, 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 and pushing these manufacturers to take a lot of their profits and reinvest into development into the electrical vehicle space. As I've told you, one of the analysts we follow who used to be a auto a technician at, at a large uh, private equity firm, as well as some large investment research firms, he thinks in 10 years, it's going to be Tesla and Toyota will be the two last standing auto manufacturers. Just a lot of money a combustible engine vehicle manufacturer has to put into the electrical side. And the government's almost forcing us to buy electrical vehicles, which if you look in California, that's probably a pretty good play considering gas prices. When you look in the Midwest, the South, where gas prices are quote unquote normal, uh, not as strong of a need for electric vehicle, although they're very nice cars, very fun to drive very efficient. But again, here's the government pushing one thing, consumers are still demanding another. So thanks so much for watching this week's video series. If this video series was helpful to you, would you do us a favor? Do us a favor by hitting the like and the subscribe buttons. If you hit the like button, that pushes our content out to more people so more people can help get the financial help that they need from a good planner, a fiduciary-based planner. And hitting the subscribe button allows our content to be pushed out to you as fast as we release it. Things like this video series, our question of the week, as well as our monthly webinar we do for our clients will get pushed out to you. Last month, we did a webinar on 2023 taxes and what to think about for your 2024 tax return. That was a great and well-received video series. This month, we're doing a video series on real estate investing. Should I invest in real estate? And we have one of the top real estate experts in the country joining us. It's going to be a great discussion. If you have any interest in learning about investment, real estate, or real estate in general, talk to your financial advisor so you can get an invite to that content. And then it'll be released on all of our streaming services as well. As well as you can go to the comment section. In the comment section, you can click the link to schedule a meeting with any of our financial coaches or planners. Our coaches will help you get out of debt in baby steps one, two, and three, build that emergency fund, hold you accountable, make sure you're on a budget, as well as baby steps four, five, six, and seven. Our financial planners and advisors will help you figure out a good plan so that you can build wealth, create financial security, protect your family, do all the things you need to do that any good financial plan will help you do. Thanks so much. We'll look forward to seeing you next week.